Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome to the Backstory Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Cole. And on this episode, we have an artist, an actress, a super creative, and a fellow Sagittarius, Miss Janelle Monet. Hello, how are you? I'm amazing. You know, a little tired. It's release week, but um, I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem. And you're promoting your new album, The Age of Pleasure. And I went to one of your listening parties in DC. And what was interesting is I looked at your trailer and the Lipstick Lover video after I went to your party. So I understood your party and the energy of your party a lot better. Um, And I I ask anybody to watch the trailer for your album because you're so creative that like, and I'm a bit of a creative myself, but I often wonder how your mind works because it's like you have a vision or an idea and like you try your best to like make it happen, like like live it out. And that's kind of what I got from your from the energy of the people at your party. Oh, thank you. I Yeah, you are right. I try my best to stay honest to just sort of who I am and the space that I'm in. And I'm in a really, 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 really good, present, fun space, you know, a celebratory space, a, you know, creating experiences for great experiences for not just myself, but those around me, creating those safe spaces for us to be free and have a good time. And I think that's probably what you're feeling and what you felt, you know, thanks for showing up. I'm happy you got a chance to see, like I did, just the power of storytelling, you know, through music and how music also just makes people feel. You know, it's been five years since I put out an album. Obviously I was acting and doing a lot of other other things that I love. It's just nothing like music, you know, it's nothing like <laughs> it's nothing like seeing us all sweating, having an amazing time, being fully present. Yeah. And you um had a very like difficult road in this business. Like you did nothing came to you easy. And I, I just want to go back a little bit. Um, you were born in Kansas City, Missouri, and and no, Kansas, um, Kansas, but Kansas yeah, City, Kansas. I love Kansas City, Missouri. I love you, but I have to read, you know. But it's the cities in the is in the cities in two states, right? Yeah, we share a city. Mm-hmm. Got it. So you're you're um, it's one of the most conservative places in America. Um, uh, so I can imagine what what it was like uh, growing up there as just a creative, because you know the one thing about creativity is that most people we're all creative. But most people just are scared of the creativity in their own mind, right? So they just kind of mm-hmm. run away from it. And sometimes you can live in places where people don't like new ideas. And so you mm-hmm. seem to be someone who was raised with a lot of energy, a lot of creative energy, a lot of new ideas. And, you know, you you parlayed that into music. What was it like just growing up there and and um, and entering this, this industry and just having these dreams of, of a creative? You know, I I give and I owe everything to Kansas City, Kansas. A lot of um, people don't know, but there's so many talented people where I'm from. And I was always around the best of the best, the best singers, musicians, actors. Like I grew up doing exactly what it is that I'm doing right now. And I, I just have to give so much thanks to my teachers and my mom and dad and everybody who really invested in me. Cause I was always in a musical or a talent showcase, yeah. you know, uh, after school acting program. Like that was, that was me. And 
having that experience and, and my family telling me like, you can do this, you can do this, told me that I could do this on a bigger scale, you know, yeah. gave me that confidence. Of course, it is definitely a conservative, you know, sort of Bible Belt place, you know, so like me being black and young and, and, and of the LGBTQIA plus community, you know, being queer, all of that, I was told growing up was, you know, it, it didn't make me feel safe to be there. So my heart always goes out to, you know, the young people who are still there and having to navigate. And I'm not saying everybody is homophobic, but when you grow up in those 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 spaces um, where they do teach, you know, that there's something wrong with you if you are a part of our community, I can only imagine, I mean, it does, it does not make me feel good. It doesn't make me feel proud, you know, when they try to, con- you know, it, 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 and, and I don't want to speak too much into it, but it is Pride Month. So I have to make it known that no matter if I'm from a place that I love, when you try and oppress and further press those who are already marginalized, we're always going to have a problem. So those are some things that I want want to see changed, and not just in, in Kansas City. Um, but just around this world, you know, that it's not it's not the only place with those with those um, those sort of um, discriminations and evil teachings for like yeah. that's all I can really say. But so as, as I a, love it as a music place. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, and I was going to say, as a, I mean, you channeled a lot of your energy into music and that, that's kind of where you got your, your and music acting, just the arts. And you entered a lot of talent shows when you were a, were young and you did very well for yourself. And I, I was recently reading that you your mother used to drive you around and you always you since day one. Since I met you, you talk about your your humble roots and your parents and coming from a working class background and how your parents supported you and your mom drove you around to uh, talent shows and people yeah. threw uh, rocks at your mom's car because you you did so well at a talent show. And then you leave, you you you, you get out of high school and you just go to New York City. What was that like? And, and that decision to say, like, I'm just I'm out. And at a, such a young age to go to the biggest city in the country. Uh, I felt very supportive. I've always wanted to travel and and I'm a, a big adventurous uh, individual, which is which is why I love tour and I cannot wait to be on tour. So I already knew in my heart and my spirit, you know, that there was something more for me out there. You know, as much as you know, you love your your small town and where you grow up. I just had a dream of going to New York, and I got to give a shout out to my teachers who wrote my letters of recommendation. They really invested in me and helped me get to my performing arts school, uh, which was AMDA, the American Musical. And Dramatics Academy, that's the school I attended in, in New York. And yeah, I mean, I had supportive parents, thankfully, even though they were working, you know, working class, working day and night to make make sure that I had food on the table and take care of me. They never, ever told me that I couldn't do what it is that I'm doing right now. Like they supported me in every way, whether it was buying new outfits for me and my friend. We were in a group together making you know again driving me back and forth and just really being there in in the paint with me so was that your first time going to new york or had you gone to new york prior to that that was my first time i had never visited i had never really traveled outside of kansas city so it was a big cult like culturally it was super shocking like a small little fishbowl to like wow you're an ocean now you know (laughs) 
but you were able to connect with other people that were creative and free because your whole th- I, I love your free as a motherfucker like i just i get it like i, I uh, <laughs> uh the america specifically can really just kind of hold you down and contain you especially when you're different and so to be free and i got it from float when you put float out like i totally understood it the first time i heard the song of just elevation above the bullshit and just being free and living your life and not worrying about what people think or not worrying about the boxes that they put you in for that age, I mean, that that's a, you know, 17, 18 and just I'll go from Kansas City, Kansas to New York City. It's got to be culture shock, but it looks like it was exactly what you were looking for in that moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, That's what I needed. I needed to be around different cultures. I needed to just understand a little bit more about life. And I think that helped inform me as a writer and as a storyteller. And I didn't finish school there. I, I stayed for like a year. And I decided that I wanted to move to Atlanta, Georgia. And that's where yeah. I really got in, tapped into Janelle Monet as, you know, an artist. And when I was in school, I was more so training and sort of, you know, I didn't really have my identity as as an artist. It was more so seeing cover songs and living vicariously through characters that had already been written and created. So um, it was a beautiful experience and I'm so happy I had it. So you get to Atlanta a year and some change later, which is, again, another cultural. I mean, so much was happening in Atlanta at that time. So you go from New York culture and energy to Atlanta culture and energy. And that's where you really start formulating your music, your musical side. And you um, were actually just building your base of, of fans. So talk a little bit about just the beginning parts of that that process of just like finding people that can believe in you. And selling the music outside of your, uh, out of the trunk of your Mitsubishi uh-huh. as you rode around, as you, your green Mitsubishi yeah. as you rode yeah. around uh, Atlanta. The green Mitsubishi. Yeah, I sold my CDs out of my trunk. I <laughs> just thinking about that. For $5, I lived in a boarding house with six other girls on um, the AUC campus. Uh, shout out to the uh, HBCUs in Atlanta. I really, I enjoyed it though. You know, it was a great place to test out music. It was yeah, and- I would sit on the library steps and play guitar and just sing and, you know, have people walk past me, not pay me any attention. Some people would crowd around. And then when my music, when my CD came out, I was pretty like popular around campus. Like that was my little market. Yeah. You know, I, I went to um, college with Jill Scott and um, I remember Jill Scott, the college student and just her singing everywhere, like kind of what you were just saying, like, and mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, she becomes a star, but I remember those days, but it's so raw and so um, interesting and so revealing to, to be an artist going through that process. And what I loved about you and your story is you are, uh, were always just like everybody else. Like the, the, I mean, everybody else that, that were in your circle, you worked at Office Depot. So you had like a job and you probably hated the job, but you did the job because you had to pay yeah. your bills. Oh, yeah. And, you, and, and and then you end up losing your job because you were using the resources of your job to connect with your fans. Talk a little bit about that moment and how that actually bad thing turned into a good thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. I was working at Office Depot, sweeping, putting up ink cartridges. <laughs> uh, and at that same time, I was on the circuit, the indie circuit here in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, trying to get people to know more and more about my music. And um, at that time, I had just a small group of like fans. I probably had like 10 fans. I don't know. And they would write me and 
I loved that though. I love that just one-on-one personal connection. So they would write me through my website and Office Depot had these uh, display laptops and I didn't own one. And so I would just go, you know, if, if, if the store was slow and I would just go in and I would log on to my email and check and try to respond back to as many of my fans as possible. And so I did that one too many times because employees are not supposed to use the display laptops. You're not supposed to do that. And they saw it and on the intercom, they were like, Janelle, please come to the back. So I had to go back to the break room, to the office, and they fired me. But the thing is, my they knew, they knew I didn't want to be there. You know, they knew that, and not, not that I didn't value the job, they knew that my heart was in music. They were giving me a really wonderful opportunity to show up for myself and to grind harder for myself, no excuses, like, oh, I have to be up at work. It's like, no, get in the studio, stay there until you finish your project, put in the work, put in the hours to be the artist that you want to be. Well, there are people watching this right now that are dreamers, and we're all dreamers, and mm-hmm. oh, we got to pay our bills and we got to feed our family and we got to kind of make it to that point where we can just do our art. Um, so you just telling that story right now is really inspiring to folks because there's some people that are like, I hate this job. And sometimes you go into a job and you know, like I can look at somebody and say, you hate it here. And it's just like <laughs> oozing out, it just oozes out of them as they, as they do whatever they have to do there. But it's just part of the grind. Right. It's, and so out of that moment was when you created a song, right? Yeah. Letting go. I wrote that yeah. about getting fired. You know, that was my first sort of nationally released song yeah yeah life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you so long live singing to the oldies jamming out to something new and everything in between. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So you um, work to behind the scenes in Atlanta and you're doing a whole bunch of stuff and you even got the attention of Big Boy from Outkast and you were able to be on a couple of their songs and then Big Boy tells Diddy about you and so at that point Diddy goes to your MySpace page. This is how long ago this was and uh, he sees you and he he feels a connection and, and talk a little bit about just Diddy, Bad Boy, because Bad Boy was a whole different energy and, and you weren't unlike any artist that he had ever had on this label before. What was that moment like for you to just connect with somebody like that? Yeah, it was an uh, incredible time. You know, he we were already on the indie circuit, again, pressing up CDs in the basement, selling them out the car. Like, we, I had a pretty good following here in Atlanta. And, um, yes, MySpace, I, could, I loved... Uh, how they would allow you to put your music up there. And you could really, it was like the first space that you could talk to your fans directly. And so um, he actually saw my profile and everything on MySpace. And then he reached out to, 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 to Big Boy. 
Got it. But he discovered me I, honestly on MySpace, <laughs> which was really very like interesting and, and cool. And you know, he flew down here. He came to the album release party because we were releasing music independently. And I was like, if you're serious, come to the release party. You got to see me perform. I want you to know, like, if you want to be in business with me, because I also have my own recording label, and a lot of people don't mention that, but I have my I've had my label since I've came come into the industry. I was always signed to myself, and then we partnered with Bad Boy Atlantic, and so uh, that was very important for me because I wanted to feel. I need I need to feel protected. I need to have my team, you know, help me stay business wise on message with what it is that I want to say and what I want to do, and you know, making sure that that's very clear with whoever we partner with. So it was important that he saw that I was black, talking about science fiction, like otherworldly. So he came down and like came to the release party. He got it, you know. He came to my studio and I'll never forget, like he literally got on his knees and was like, listen, I don't want to mess up anything that you guys are doing creatively. What I saw, I just want the rest of the world to see. And he has been a man of his word, you know, ever since. Whenever I need him, he's there. And I think I caught him in a good spot where he was, you know, he's done a lot of incredible, like Jodeci and Biggie and like he's put out a lot of incredible artists, you know, Mary J. Blige. I was singing her songs at the talent show. So it, yeah. made, it made sense. But I mean, I also think that, you know, folks probably look their puff as like a control freak and very passionate. And if you were a fan of me, you probably were like afraid that, okay, what's going to happen to who you are and your image yeah. um, if, you, if you are in business with someone like that who's passionate, you know, and regardless people just believe stories even if they're true or not about the way that he conducts business but i the side of puff that i know has been very like what do you need i'm here for you no interest in changing who i am he knows he wouldn't be you know be able to do that anyway but he i never always got support from him well it's interesting you brought up your party because i remember your first or second album with him that I was invited to uh, Atlanta to come to an album release party for you and I and, and Wonderland and just the experience of being in that environment to listen to an album, which makes all the sense about the album that's currently out or coming out and that energy and just dancing and freedom and no judgment and having a good time. I really like want to credit you because you talked a little bit about um this project is coming after the pandemic. And so during the pandemic, you used to have parties and where you would bring a lot of folks together and you would play your music. And so talk a little bit about this album and that environment coming past the pandemic and the purposing of the music, new music, creation of music, and these events that you are doing with people and how that plays into what the music you release. Yeah, I'm so happy to be in this age of pleasure. You know, my album is titled The Age of Pleasure. And I'm so happy to finally be sharing with the world what I got to experience. You know, my friends at the time could not find a venue to host their everyday people parties. And these are like global parties with the most beautiful brown and black people all around the world. And so we ended up hosting them at Wonderland, a small party one night and it was everyone i mean just uh, everybody was just so diverse beautiful black brown from 
Ghana to Nigeria to South Africa to uh, Jamaica, the Caribbean, New York, L.A., Atlanta. Like, I just saw so much of the diaspora, you know, Pan-African, all of us together sweating in a safe space because to experience pleasure and to be in this age of pleasure, you can't experience that without feeling safe, safe from police, safe from judgment. And so just being able to see that, I knew right then and there, I said, whatever, my next project has to be for these people. We need this space. We need this level of freedom. We need this level of fun. And so I, in the words of Maurice White, you know, he says on All About Love, if there ain't no beauty, make some beauty. And this was my attempt at making beauty for beautiful friends with beautiful friends. Well, in the Lipstick Lover video, I, I feel like it wasn't a normal music video. I feel like they just filmed everybody. And yeah, you were performing your song, but like even it, it looked like it, it. And again, this is just my vision of what happened, right? If, I feel like you started like 12 hours prior and then there was even this scene where you were having bre- where you were making breakfast and everybody was in the kitchen dancing and the energy like it just felt like it was just like, let's just roll the camera. And, and this is uh, the, the party that we're having. Yeah, I'm happy that came across. I co-directed that video as well with Alan Ferguson. So I was we we both were adamant about making sure um, that it felt as real and and and, you know, went through the different stages of pleasure, you know, Um yeah, a lot of everything you saw in the video sort of mirrored the culture, you know, that is ready for this age of pleasure. Yeah. And I can tell that you really like what a great environment to test music out. Like as if it could pop in that environment, then, yeah. you know, you got something. And I, it reminds me of Donna Summer. Love to Love You, Baby was a song that came out and nobody really connected with it the first time it came out. And it was at a party where the, the the owner of the label kept playing the song because it was a three-minute song, and he mm-hmm. recognized, like, wait a minute, okay. And then he went back in the studio, and he saw the reaction to the song. And then, of course, that launched her her career. But uh, an event can be a very dramatic place to, yeah. to react to art. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely did my own testing because I wanted, I wanted my friends and me to love these songs at parties, you know, when we're celebrating, when we're not thinking, what are we wanting to hear? What are we wanting to feel? It was all about the feeling for me. And so what I would do is, you know, I would make, if I knew we were having a party on a Friday or Saturday, that Monday or Tuesday, we would go into the studio and we would make two to three songs. And I was like, do not tell anybody when you play these songs at the party that it's me, you know, and if people are not shazamming, trying to figure out who it is, it's not going on the album. Right. Like, stop dancing, it's not going on the album. And so um, I was always nervous before, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But all the songs that on, on the on the Age of Pleasure that you guys hear, we, we, we let the people who we were making them for hear them first um, without them knowing it was me. And, you know, they made it. So I'll tell you my personal favorite is the Champagne Life. I've, you I've, need Champagne shit? Champagne shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel like uh, and again, I didn't know the name of this. I just heard champagne, but it's like, oh, you know, I was like, OK, like I, I like I, I wanted to hear it again. Of course, we just ran yeah. through it. And but I felt the energy at the moment. And I was like, oh, wow, wow. This is just like party. What you're talking about, just the mm-hmm. energy. I mean, it just felt like I'm excited about this album for you. And I'm glad that that you're back and and, and we got a wrap. But I wanted to say this one thing to you because um, we didn't really get into the acting thing. But 
I saw Antebellum one time, and not often does this ever happen to me, but your performance in that movie and just the subject matter and just, it kind of haunts me. And it, 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 you took me to some other place that I was not expecting when I saw it, me and my wife are watching it. And I can't get out of my head the scene of you in the car in the beginning when you're in the Uber mm-hmm. and it just starts this journey and just the unbelievable wickedness of what, of what it was. Looking at that script, if I could do that as a black person, but talk about that experience of just seeing that script and making a movie like that. A lot of people don't, We'll talk about Antebellum. It was very tough. That was one of like the toughest movies to film. And, you know, for obvious reasons, what it was about. But, you know, it was, a, it was a, an important way to honor my ancestors and to also bring more awareness. It was like one of those things where I felt like, you know, I owed it to my ancestors to do. And sometimes that's tough, you know, but they paved the way for me to have this level of freedom. So I was like, the least thing I can do is just bring attention to sort of where we are presently when it comes to race, when it comes to racism, when it comes to us protecting black lives and and also fighting back against white supremacy. Well, thank you. It's been an honor to, to talk to you. I'm excited about your album. Can't wait to see more movies and eat bring in that creative energy and keep being free because more people we need to see we need more people to think like you i appreciate you thank you for your support and it's an honor to be on your podcast i hope something we said or i said uh inspires whoever is watching or listening right now so thank you thank you coming up on the next backstory podcast artist producer actor neo the first time i heard the record i was back in la after we did it and it comes on the radio and i'm like all right cool at at this point i had heard a song of mine on the radio before so played it and mind you at this point i'm still i'm still just a writer you know i'm still moving around trying to trying to do my thing I, i didn't have a name at the time i was the dude that wrote the mario song the Backstory Podcast with Kobe Kolb is an Urban One Incorporated Reach Media Pod is Good production, hosted and executive produced by yours truly, Kobe Kolb, edited by Donkus. Follow us on Twitter at BackstoryPCC, on Instagram, Get the Backstory. For sales and corporate partnerships, Josh Romani and Michelle Marino. Digital marketing, Walter Gaynor, J.R. Smith, and Tim Hall. Thanks again for listening to the Backstory Podcast.